Well, good morning, MRCC. How are you doing this morning? Nod and smile. No, I'm so glad to see you here this morning. Thank you for being a part of your church, uh, being present here today. Uh, Pastor Brent is going to be preaching with us today. I'm just here to give us a few announcements. I, I love being able to see all your, your faces. If you don't know who I am, I am our kids pastor down the hallway, and uh, I love serving kids, but I also love to see your faces too. It's great. So thank you for being here. Um, have you noticed, though, uh, just to get us started, that nothing has really happened out there except for they took up a bunch of our parking? Um, just kidding, though. I'm telling you, you'll start to see some movement this next week. I'm so excited. I mean, we can cheer for that, right? Come on. <laughs> uh, we have a meeting on Monday. We signed a really large check last week, uh, and the city is finally pushing us forward, and we're finally going to start doing some things out there. So I think uh, our, the company that we're working with is super excited. So are we, I'm telling you, I have been a part of the process for picking out cabinets and toilets and sinks and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm telling you, stuff is happening. We just haven't seen much. And now you're going to start seeing it and you're going to be thankful because I, I just have to thank you for, uh, you know, the parking situation is real. I know you had a hard time finding a place to park this morning. And part of that is because it's what, what's happening here. But before you know it, they're going to start putting another road out there with some more parking. So we're going to start seeing some of that happen in the next uh, couple months. So I'm excited for that. Um, and just uh, as far as announcements go, you know Good Friday is coming up pretty soon, right? Like two weeks till, till Easter. Um, in a couple Fridays from now, 6.30 p.m., I'll tell you, we only have one service for that Good Friday service, and this will get pretty full. So come early. Did I say it well enough? <laughs> I'm giving you the hint. Come a little early. Um, but also, if we overflow out of this room, we'll open up our kids' church room back there to be another space where we can celebrate together as a family uh, that Jesus died on the cross for us. And, and that'll be a great celebration. Then, of course, on Easter Sunday, uh, we're keeping our services the same. So three services. So again, come early. If you had a hard time finding a spot to sit this service, come early on Easter. We'd love to have you uh, join us in here, and we'll just tighten up as much as we can, and it'll be beautiful. It'll be a beautiful thing. Um, a couple more things, though. Um, if you knew uh, Jody Olson, uh, she passed away recently, and uh, they are doing a celebration of life service for her, but our sanctuary just is not quite big enough for just their family alone, right? Um, so uh, we are hosting a memorial service for Jody Olson next Saturday at 10 a.m. over at Wabash Church. They have a much larger sanctuary. So uh, if you knew her and want to celebrate her life with us, come with us. Uh, meet us at Wabash at 10 a.m. Uh, next Saturday. Uh, and then with that, I also, I cannot give the announcement for the men's conference. So I'm going to invite Pastor Weston up here to share with you because he actually rocks the house with this announcement. Hey, so there you go. <laughs> what's up, everybody? Hey, all the dudes in the room, let me get a yo. Oh, what's up, dudes? Hey, I have the privilege of leading a band of brothers over to Pasco on May, over the weekend of May 19th and 20th for the Northwest men's conference and let me tell you guys we need fellowship amen jesus modeled for us and he was intentional of taking time to separate ourselves from the white noise and the stresses of life amen in pursuit of our heavenly father and there's also such a benefit when the guys the men of god can come together to encourage each other to for connection for fellowship and for worship I've seen powerful things happen at gatherings and retreats like this, and it's such an honor and a privilege for us to be able to participate with the Northwest Men's Conference. And, you know, let me tell you, we're doing something special this year. Not only are we going over to Pasco for the Northwest Men's Conference, but we also rented out an entire lodge for all the guys at the church. So we're going to be spending half of our time 
hanging out at the lodge where we get to all be together under one roof and then spending the other half of the time over at the Northwest Men's Conference. You can sign up right now on our website, mrccnow.org. The end of next month is when prices raise. So, And, you know, it's a pretty big lodge, but there still is some limited space. So the earlier you can get in, the better. And just to kind of wrap this up, let me tell you, the other day I was doing some pastoral studies for some credentialing, and I came across this Bible verse from the book of Psalms, and it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And uh, that just resonated with me. And then at the end of the lesson, I saw this question on the test. And it said this. By inviting us to be still in Psalm 46.10, God is asking us to, the correct answer, take a vacation from the stress of life and get to know him. Amen. That's what we get to do together as the men of God. So please sign up as soon as you can on our website. And I hope to see you there. And y'all, we got a special treat. We've got Brother Brent to bring in the word. So can we just welcome him this morning? <clears throat> Man, I, I mean, I'm always up for uh, a fun trip, but you know, things get too crazy with schedules, so you kind of have to pick and choose. And I was like, men's conference, I don't know, I'm gonna try and kind of figure it. And then Weston showed me the pictures of the lodge, and like probably many of you, I was like, oh boy, all right, I'll clear my schedule. Um, I'll clear my schedule, that lodge is awesome. Man, I feel like all the guys who are going should be required to wear six shooters and like <laughs> leather chaps, and, and we just walk around like this, all the lodge, and just... You know, um, looks like a fun time, man. I can't wait. That's going to be a blast. Uh, welcome this morning to MRCC. If you don't know me, my name is Brent. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I don't get to preach all too often, but I love the chance uh, to do it always. It is a, a huge passion of mine, something that God has definitely called me to do. And before we get any further, I'm going to address my hair really quick, just because we've had some complaints from the congregation members. Uh, it is getting longer. No, it's probably not going to stop anytime soon, at least maybe not until summer when I decide that the hassle of having a lot of hair in the heat is over, you know, is too much. But I apologize because over the course of the sermon, I may be doing like this, like a hundred times, just kind of, I'm at that point now where I got to just, I got to run my hands through it, kind of push it back. There's a very famous song by a one Larry the Cucumber called Where Is My Hairbrush? You may be familiar with it. And for the longest time, I just didn't, that song didn't click with me. It's like, wow, a VeggieTales song that's not like a banger. What's wrong? But now that I have more hair, I get it. And Larry was wrong. I'm, you know, hashtag Larry doesn't deserve the hairbrush. Uh, I, I understand the peach in the song who actually has hair. That's, spoiler alert, that's where Larry's hairbrush is. The peach took it. So he has hair, I have hair, I just bought a hairbrush, I get the song now, VeggieTales. Well, VeggieTales is always relevant, is basically what I'm trying to say. But um, I've been really excited about this road trip series that we've been in with Pastor Greg going through uh, Luke's gospel, kind of chapter by chapter, and, and just taking in everything that the scripture has for us 
I'm a huge fan of road trips. We took road trips all the time growing up. We'd pile into the Toyota Land Cruiser. It was our trusty Toyota Land Cruiser. Um, and, you know, that was like the car that I, that I knew growing up. We'd jump in there. We'd pack it full of stuff. And we would drive all around. If you can't tell I am homeschooled, or I was homeschooled, uh, most of the time you can tell. There's like that little sense that goes off in your brain where you're like, okay, this guy was homeschooled. Um, but I was homeschooled, and so our history classes as a kid consisted mostly of like going to places. Like we did a Washington State history class, and instead of reading through a textbook and looking at pictures of Meeker Mansion and stuff like that, we got to actually go to a bunch of historical places in Washington State, and that's how we learned about the history. It was super cool. I loved the experience. We did that. We did an entire road trip around like the western third of the United States, went down through Utah and Arizona, um, back looped around through California and back up the west coast. We did a lot of road trips. And it was, it was a blast. It was a ton of fun. I really enjoy road trips because even though you have a destination in mind, probably when you start your road trip, the destination isn't necessarily the, the point of the road trip, right? If the destination was the only point, you'd just fly there. Like, let's be real. Who wants to drive like uh, that much just to get somewhere if you could just fly there quickly? You know, planes are very fast. So, Road trips, part of the experience is seeing everything that's around you as, as you're traveling. And that's why I love them so much. And inevitably, on any road trip, there is a, there's a destination, a place, a magical place that exists really only on road trips uh, or long drives. And that is the rest stop. The rest stop, you may be familiar, they're either very clean or horrible. There is no in between. It's one of the two. Um, they're usually two bathrooms, a vending machine with one Sprite and two waters in it, and that's it. Um, usually it doesn't work, uh, so you just have to kind of stare and look and go like, wow, Sprite sounds good, too bad. But they've got like a lawn area that you can, you know, let your dogs out of the car or walk around, stretch your legs. Restaurants are fantastic. Uh, but they are, and they're a necessary part of a road trip, right? Because we get to a point where, you know, we want to, we need to stretch our legs. We need to take a rest. We need to repack the luggage. It's an essential part of the flow. And I really felt like God had put it on, on my heart for us this morning that, that he wants us to, to pull over from our road trip, to take a rest, uh, pull over into that rest stop and, and talk about the rest that he has for us this morning. So what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of rest and relaxation? Maybe it's your bed. Uh, maybe you have a very comfortable, you have one of those memory foam mattresses. That's how you know you've made it. Uh, I'll never, there are a few times in my life where I've made purchases as an adult that didn't really feel like they felt like adult purchases, but they felt strangely good. Like usually when you buy something adult, you're like, that's boring. I don't want to buy a vacuum. But the older I've gotten, the more I've taken pleasure in the simple things. When we got a new mattress, it's like, yeah, we got a new mattress. I was pumped. Like I would, as a kid, if I'd have told my younger self, you're going to be excited to drop four figures on a mattress. I'd be like, what is wrong with you? You know how many Legos I could buy? Like, I would have been so furious with myself. But as an adult, you know, you buy those things and you, and you feel good. You're like, yeah, I got a new mattress. I got a lawnmower. Like, it's cool. So maybe you have a nice mattress. Maybe that's what you picture when you think of rest. Maybe you're like, yeah, sleep's fine, but I can't really enjoy sleep because I'm asleep. That's kind of where I fall. That's camp. I'm like, Sleep is, I'm asleep. I basically don't exist for that period of time. It's not fun. It's just something I have to do. So maybe for you, rest is sitting on a beach 
reclining in a chair, got an umbrella in the sun, the waves are lapping at the shore. Maybe that's what true rest looks like to you. Maybe for you, uh, rest looks like uh, sitting on the couch, chilling, watching a TV show. Maybe just hanging out, uh, reading a book. Maybe that's rest in your happy place in your home. Maybe sitting by the fire. Maybe that's your restful place. Rest looks differently uh, to all of us. Recharging looks different to different people. But I would contend, I, I, would, I would pose the thought that none of us know how to rest as well as dogs do. Dogs are hands down. Look at him. Look, I wish I could sleep like that. Man, no memory foam, no nothing. He's just chilling. Dogs are the masters of rest. And I got curious and I looked it up. Dogs sleep on average from 12 to 14 hours a day. That's a lot of sleep. And I knew it had to be somewhere high because I'm like, I feel like whenever I look at a dog, they're usually asleep, unless they're running. They're either running or asleep. And so these 12 to 14 hours a day, dogs, they have to have one of the sweetest arrangements out there. They just have the sweetest deal in the world. And I, I can't believe it. You may be familiar with the animated movie Wally. Wally, if you don't know, is about a little robot, takes place in the future. Humanity has ascended to this point where we've developed such good technology that all the robots take care of us. They wait on us hand and foot, they feed us. Uh, they you know, bring us whatever we need. We float around on little chairs. We spend most of our time relaxing, just hanging out on the fake beaches because the beaches are fake, because the earth got destroyed and like nasty and couldn't live there anymore. So they're on a, on a like yacht in space. That's the premise of the movie. So the creative guys and gals who came up with Wally, they sat in a room and they thought, let's imagine what humanity could be like in 500 years, a thousand years. Like, what could the most advanced society be like? And they thought the advanced society was everybody was waiting on us hand and foot. And man, I thought about that and I was like, that's what dogs are already doing. That's what dogs are already doing. They are already right now. We're like 500 years. Yeah, maybe we could get everybody to like wait around on us and we could get everything brought to us. That's what dogs have right now. They're like, we take care of them. We feed them. We let the, we, we basically wait on them hand and foot just because we can't get enough of their fuzzy little faces. That's it. They just look cute and we give them whatever they want. They have the sweetest deal in the world. Uh, service dogs don't count. I firmly believe that service dogs look at all other dogs with contempt. They're like, I can't believe that that dog gets to do that. He doesn't have a real job. It's a loser freeloader dog. Service dogs are my kind of dogs. But I, I joke around, but I do actually really love dogs. I love dogs but I also have a begrudging respect for the game that they're playing um, because I get it and, and I, I want in. I want in. And I think, you know, truth be told, I'm, I'm envious. I'm envious of dogs because I often feel like it's difficult for me to rest because of how many things that I'm worried about. You look at a dog and they're, they're carefree. They, you know, they don't have a bunch to stress out about. They get to just sleep when they want. I tell you what, if I slept for 12 to 14 hours, as a kid, my dad would have been like, lazy kid, freeloader. He would have booted me out at the first chance. Our family chihuahua, he slept probably 16 hours a day. He was on the upper end. 16 hours a day, my dad treated that dog like a saint. He could do no wrong. My dad loved that chihuahua. It's like, what is happening here? When, when our chihuahua died, that was the only time I've ever seen my dad cry. The only time I've ever seen my dad cry was when that dog died. I was like, man, all he did was sleep. 
Man, dogs have it good. Gosh. But I feel like I can't find good rest because there are too many important things to think about, to stress over. And you, maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe you find yourself in that same place where there's just too much going on. There's too much on your schedule. There are too many things to be done that you can't experience good rest. Maybe you're in the same boat. And this morning, there is good news. And the good news is that there is also somebody else in the boat with us. And he wants to teach us to do things a little bit differently. So let's explore that this morning. You know, Jesus needed to rest and to sleep, just like us. Um, he was fully human. He did not consider equality with God something to be uh, to be to strive for. But rather, he became fully human, and he needed all the things that we need. He needed sleep. He needed food. And I think a lot of times we can kind of we can kind of forget that. As a new believer, I actually I had a lot of you know, I didn't grow up in church, like I mentioned earlier. I had a lot of ideas uh, that were incorrect about who Jesus was. I just hadn't read enough scripture. Um, you know, I didn't know much because I was coming into this. I didn't go to church except for twice a year. Although, it's so funny, when we, when we prayed the Lord's Prayer uh, together, my grandma, uh, she drilled the Lord's Prayer into me, uh, the King James Version, lead us not into temptation. Um, but deliver us, or wait, what is it? Uh, forgive us our transgressions. That's what it is. Um, so anyways, she taught me to memorize the Lord's Prayer. So when I actually became a new believer and they're like, hey, you guys should all memorize this. I was like, oh, okay. That's like one thing I don't have to do. That's like the one thing that I already had. But I had this picture in my head of Jesus. As a new believer, I thought he's super Jesus, right? He doesn't, he doesn't get hungry. I mean, if he was hungry, he could probably just be like, boom, God power is not hungry anymore. Um, that's what I thought. I thought he floated around. He didn't get emotionally stressed. He was at perfect, like, um, you know, his, his chi was perfectly aligned. Like, that's what, I just pictured super Jesus didn't have to deal with all the same stuff. He didn't have to deal with temptation. He didn't have to struggle or wrestle with, with things, you know, he didn't have to, to really mess with all that same stuff that we have to deal with. And I couldn't have been more wrong because that's not the truth at all. Jesus was tempted endlessly. He was tempted endlessly, but he chose not to give in to the temptation. He slept just like we do. We use plenty of evidence of Jesus sleeping a lot. We're gonna look at that in just a moment. Uh, he, felt he felt countless desires, fleshly desires, and he wrestled with them instead choosing in every instance to do his father's will rather than to bend to the will of his flesh. But he certainly struggled. He felt the temptation. And he was emotionally burdened. Jesus was very emotionally burdened. Um, it tells us later on in scripture, uh, in Luke chapter 22, it says that while he was praying um, on, in the garden, right, he was, his sweat was like blood. His sweat was like drops of blood. I mean, that sounds like a pretty emotionally burdened and drained person to me. I've never been that emotionally drained before. So Jesus struggled with all this stuff. Jesus dealt with all of this, this stuff. He had all that baggage and stress. He was human like us. And if resting well was important to Jesus, it should also be important to us. So let's take a look to open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter four. We're gonna dive into Mark chapter four. It's a story that many of us are probably familiar with, although the, the famous bits of the story aren't really what we're focusing on this morning. So let's kind of take a different look at the verse, the verses here, starting with, I believe it's 37, says this in Mark chapter four. 
some backstory. Jesus and his followers are on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. So they're traveling across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Jesus is asleep. Verse 37, a very bad wind came up on the lake. The waves were coming over the sides and into the boat, and it was almost full of water. Jesus was inside the boat, sleeping with his head on a pillow. I read that for the first time. My first thought was, they had pillows back then? I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, dang, he's got a pillow on a boat? Doesn't make any sense, but, but he's sleeping well. He knows what to do. Got his head on a pillow. And then it says, the followers went and woke him. They said, teacher, don't you care about us? We are going to drown. Wake up. Jesus stood up and gave a command to the wind and the water. This is where we really, we remember the story. He said, quiet, be still. Then the wind stopped and the lake became calm. He said to his followers, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, Jesus found their lack of faith disturbing. Um, I always have to throw one Star Wars reference in every sermon. That's your Star Wars reference for this one. Finds their lack of faith disturbing. But Jesus calmed the storm and he says, what's the matter? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, I don't know where you fall on the scale of like light to heavy sleeper. Uh, I am a heavy sleeper by nature. I think that it was probably brought about by the fact that as a kid, and I'm not ashamed to admit this because my sin and shame died on the cross, um, I was afraid of the dark for an embarrassingly long time as a kid. I was scared of the dark, so I had lights on in my room all the time. So I can fall asleep with bright lights on. I can fall asleep in a room that is this brightly lit. I can fall asleep with music playing, and I can stay asleep when there are lights being turned on. I'm not a very light sleeper. I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. The thing that actually, what it took to break me out of my scared of the darkness was we had a, a childhood friend come over and stay with us for a few years. And I hadn't seen him in, in a long time. So he came and stayed with us for uh, a couple of days and he was bunking in my room. And the first night came and he goes over and he boom, boom, turns off all the lights, electrical tape, covers all the, like he's one of those people, covers the little blue lights on all the electronics with electrical tape. It's like, that's too bright. And I'm like, all the lights are just slowly disappearing in my room. I'm like, I have two options here, right? I confess, I fess up and be like, dude, this ain't gonna work. I need, let there be light. Or I can do the second option, which is what I did. I said, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, lights, of course. Gotta turn those off, good job. <laughs> good job. We definitely turn off the lights before we go to sleep. And then I spent several days of exposure therapy, um, <laughs> getting out of, my, out of my fear of the dark. And after that, I realized it's not so bad. It was fine. But I'm a heavy sleeper. I am a heavy sleeper. But even I would have been wide awake if I were on a boat in the middle of a horrible storm, like this scripture is telling us. And especially an old boat, right? Like this isn't... We've had two millennia of boat technology since then, and we've made a lot of advancements. We've made it slightly more this shape, and like, made it, like boats have come a long way, and they're safer now. This was an old boat. They didn't even have rudders yet. China had just been like, let's do rudders, and they didn't have prime two-day shipping, so the Mediterranean didn't have them. So no rudders. They were just kind of like, well, the wind wants us to go this way. Um, that's kind of how they did it. Boats... Like they had just figured out, like, hey, see those shiny things in the sky? Maybe we can use those to figure out what country we're pointing at. Like that's where they were at with boating technology. It was, it was bad. This was an old boat. 
It was an old boat. It doesn't sound like a good environment for sleep. Probably wood creaking all over the place. Water was coming into the boat. And it tells us, it says, the waves were coming over the sides and into the boat. And it was almost full of water. Boats aren't supposed to do that. And in fact, I'm pretty sure boats are supposed to do the opposite of that. So this is bad news. Bad uh, environment for sleep. But Jesus is fast asleep. And I think most of us have read this story. and We see what Jesus' followers do. And if you're like me, your first thought is, oh, gosh, those disciples are so cute. Those silly disciples, look at them lacking faith. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't think he can stop the storm. They're panicking. Silly disciples. I wouldn't be panicking. You know, I, I would have been fast asleep next to Jesus. You know, I know Daddy God's got my back. I sleep soundly. Like, that's my first reaction. That's what I want to think if I were in that situation. But I think, <laughs> I think the reality is a bit more disappointing I probably would have been the guy yanking the pillow out from under Jesus' head, pot, wooden spoon, bang, bang, just, Jesus, wake up! Jesus, wake up, it's bad! It's bad out there. Sorry to disturb your beauty sleep with the sound of all of our drowning, but can you maybe call your dad and tell him to shut off the jacuzzi jets on the Sea of Galilee? Like, that's what I would have been, that's what I would have been if I were in the story. I would have been the first guy in there to wake him up. I think that's a much more realistic projection of what my experience would be if I'd been there. I would have been just as panicked as they were. It's an amazing moment in scripture. And, you know, the thing we tend to focus on is the fact that Jesus calmed the storm. You know, we think about that story, we're like, oh, yeah, that's the time Jesus was like one of the X-Men, and he controlled the weather. And, like, that's the cool part that we sort of think of with the story. But I think that these verses also highlight the fact that not only did Jesus obviously need to rest, but that he rested well. He slept deeply. He rested so well, in fact, that he was able to sleep through a storm, a bad storm, without a, without a care in the world. Fast asleep on his pillow. Now, in sharp contrast to the example provided by Jesus, the lightest sleeper I know is my mom. She is the lightest sleeper I know. No contest. It's been that way ever since I, I was a kid. We would have to, if we wanted a midnight snack, we'd have to do like a Mission Impossible style, like clandestine operation and be like, we'd have to plan it all out, you know, come down from the ceiling in the kitchen with zip wires and grab the, you know, chip bags. It's like chips are off limits, too loud. Can't do chips. We'd have to get quiet snacks. That was how it was. It was that bad. And every time she would be woken up by something else sequentially, like it would get, she'd get crankier and crankier. So it was like, we're on strike three. I don't think we can afford to get those rollers from the cabinet. Like, it's, we're going to have to wait till morning. We're going to have to survive somehow. I don't know. We're going to have to survive somehow. I don't know how we'll do it. That was how bad it was. Very light sleeper. And we lived in like a sort of rambler house in a neighborhood in Enumclaw. And then when I was about 11 years old or so, we, uh, my parents bought property and decided to build a house. And this was kind of a long house. Not like a Viking long house, but just literally long house. And my sisters in my bedroom were both over on this side, and my parents' bedroom was on this side of the house. And I was like, yes, finally, a house with enough space that I can kind of like maybe, you know, work a little bit. And then my parents made a decision that I'll, I'll never understand to this day. They're like, you know what would be a great idea? Real hardwood everywhere, everywhere in the house, real hardwood. And I quickly learned that real hardwood, it is the best alarm system you can ever install into your house. You can't, you look at it wrong, and it's like, it makes noise. It is so, it cracks and creaks in the entire hallway, all along the house, everywhere in the kitchen was lined with hardwood. And so we couldn't even leave our rooms. It was like locked down at night. It's like, better not touch the hardwood or mom's waking up. That's strike one. 
So we would have to like basically like apocalypse prep for the night times. Like, okay, I got my, all right, I got my Hershey's bar. Like I got my energy drink. I got my, you know, like I got to have everything with me in my room because I am not leaving unless I'm going outside. Um, and that was kind of how it was with, uh, with my mom growing up. She's a very light sleeper. And I think the reality is that, you know, her mom's sense was probably, that's what I blame it on. I'm like, she has that mom's sense. She was probably just a light sleeper because she needed to be ready for any threats or anything that happened in the middle of the night. But in the same way, I think all of us tend to not find fulfilling rest when we have too much to worry about. And that's where Jesus wants to help us out. I think if you're anything like me, you probably spend a good amount of time getting to a restful place. I just got to get to a restful place. I need to finish this. I need to finish this task. If I can do enough stuff to where I can relax without feeling like, without feeling guilty about it, right? That's often how I tend to operate. I need to get enough stuff done so that I can relax. Work has to be finished. Chores need to get done. You know, often we're, we're burdened by, emotionally, by our relationships with people. You know, when someone else is going through a hard time, that puts strain on us, puts stress on us. All these things all around us are taking, taking a toll. It can be overwhelming. You know, a project that's long overdue around the house. Uh, maybe there's a long week of work coming up that you have that you're stressed about. You're pre-stressed for how stressed you're going to be during the week. That's an unfortunate reality for, for many of us. These things take a toll, and if we feel the weight of our responsibilities so heavily, how much more would Jesus have felt the same way, I think? He's a savior of the world. Like, his responsibilities are unfathomable for us. But let's look at uh, just a few chapters ahead of where we were in Mark 4. In Mark chapter 6, verse 31 says this, Jesus and his followers were in a very busy place. There were so many people that he and his followers did not even have time to eat. He said to them, come with me, we will go to a quiet place to be alone. There we will get some rest. And these people are clamoring to see Jesus, or many of them are clamoring to see Jesus at least. And, and I think like, you know, Jesus, surely you could have skipped lunch that day. Think about like, maybe if even five people had gotten to have a conversation with you, a conversation with Jesus. Gosh, how life-changing is that for somebody? And you think that's kind of, seems like a wasted opportunity to do more stuff. But instead, he wants to go rest, wants to get a place where they can eat. See, he knows, our Jesus knows that properly recharging is an essential part of our balance of our lives, but also it's essential for managing our capacity to pour into, to serve other people. He knows how important it is. And he also knows that it's a command from our Father. I mean, we haven't even gotten to that part yet. It's on the same list as don't do murder. <laughs> it's like, don't do murder, take a nap. Like, those are on the same sort of list together, right? And that always blows my mind. And, you know, if you, if you haven't murdered anyone this week, great. Like, that's good for you. I'm very proud. Um, that's fantastic. But when was the last time that you said, you know what, all this other stuff on my plate can wait long enough for me to Sabbath? long enough for me to take a proper rest, to recharge. When was the last time that, that you did that? Maybe it's been a while. Maybe you've had a full schedule. Your calendar is just packed. It's on the same list. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You know, here's the truth. Many of us frequently get in the mindset that until we take care of everything that needs to get done, we can't afford to rest. But the rest that we find in God is different because instead of us accomplishing enough stuff so that we can relax, so that we can rest and recharge, 
the rest that we find in God doesn't matter how much we've accomplished. Doesn't matter how much we've done. It depends entirely on what he has already done for us. The rest that we find in God depends entirely on what he has done for us. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 says this. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke Jesus offers us is easy to bear because the weight of our sin is on his shoulders, not us. He takes our sin, he replaces it with grace and mercy, with peace, with love. That's why his yoke is so light. All we need to do is accept the offer of a lighter burden. I spend way too much time tearing myself up because I don't feel like enough has been done that I can take time to recharge. And mind you, this is, you know, I, I spend plenty of time trying to distract, right? That's kind of something that I, that I struggle with is uh, I'm gonna go, you know, do this hobby or do this thing. But if I'm thinking in the back of my mind that I have this other stuff to do, I'm not really fully relaxing. I'm distracting myself. I'm trying not to think about all the stuff that I have to do. That's different. It doesn't recharge our soul. It doesn't bring us true rest. But if we accept the offer to recharge from him, it's totally different. And you know, it sounds kind of tough to say, but if I think that I can't afford to rest because there's too much stuff for me to do, in a way, I'm kind of discounting the finished work of the cross. In a way, I'm discounting the finished work of the cross. The victory that Jesus has already won should be enough that we can afford to take time to Sabbath, to rest, to recharge, and to rejoice in that victory. And by, if we're constantly in a state of saying, no, I need to do more, I need to do more, hasn't God done enough? Hasn't God done enough that we can afford to take that time? Jesus says if we take his yoke and learn from him, we will find rest for our souls. So as we wrap up this morning, I just wanted to take a look at a couple of practical ways. How can we, how can we get that rest? How can we acquire that rest? How do we go to get that rest? The first one is this, repent. Repent. Man, I said earlier, you know, Jesus tells us to take his, his burden, his yoke is light. He says, trade it out. I'll take yours, you take mine. And repentance is how that works. Right? When we've got that weight of our sin on our shoulders and we go to him and we say, Jesus, this is weighing me down, that's when we make the switch. He says, take mine. Take my yoke. It's easy. It's light. Let me take your sin. That's what repentance is, that turning away, going and saying, Jesus, I'm struggling with this. I messed up with this. My sin is weighing down on me. Even if you've accomplished all the tasks on your checklist, the weight of sin will prevent you from getting good rest. The weight of your sin will prevent you from getting good rest. And the way that we exchange that out. The way that we get rid of that and lift that off is we let Jesus do it. We repent. So that's step one, repent. If spending some time in repentance isn't already part of your daily talks, your daily interaction with God, I would highly encourage you to try it. Try it. Take some time to specifically say, this is my time to repent, to turn away from that, to exchange those sins, to put them at the foot of the cross and to get mercy and grace. There is no freedom like the freedom from the chains of our sin and our shame. The second thing is this, ask for it. Ask for it, right? Uh, Psalm 3410 says, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Our Father's good. 
He's good and he loves us. That's enough. That's enough for us to trust that, yeah, if we go ask him, say, God, I need this. God, you tell me I need this. I want it. He'll be faithful to give it to us. He will be faithful to provide it if we ask for it. And the third thing is this, be quiet. Be quiet. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, there was an intern that we had here in MRCC for a while named Caleb McCracken. You might have met him or remember him. He helped out in kids' ministries a lot. Uh, but he, fantastic guy. He finished his internship, moved away, uh, and I still miss him terribly. He's awesome. A few weeks before he left, he finished his internship up. We were worshiping on a Sunday morning together, and uh, he came over to me and he said, hey, I think, I think God has a word for you that he wants me to share. And I said, all right, yeah, I'm all ears. And he said, God wants you to know that all the stuff that you're doing, all the tasks on your list, are worthless if you don't get quiet time with me. That's what God's saying. That's what God said to me. And I was like, like, oh wow. I didn't even realize, because we get so caught up in the things we need to do that we don't even realize we're missing that time, that quiet time with God. I was missing that. Caleb reminded me, he said, hey, God wants you to know this is important. Make time for it. That, that changed a lot of stuff when that happened. I was like, you know what? Yep, I need to make this a priority. And maybe God's doing the same thing for you. Maybe he's trying to speak to your heart. He's saying, look, you need to clear some time on your schedule to make me a priority first, to make that quiet time a priority. Because in that quiet time is when God's gonna lay some things on your heart that your heart might not be open to if you're so busy with all the other stuff. It's important. That quiet time with God is very important. When we do that, it becomes much easier to enter into his rest because much easier. I've never been able to sleep very well while traveling in any mode. I've never been able to sleep well in the car because it's not very comfortable and I'm alert. I'm a pretty, we were taught as kids, my parents said the safest thing you can do in the car is be as alert as possible because you can never trust what other people are gonna do. If you're out there, you know who you are, those other people, you know, the ones screeching all over the place. Um, but we were taught to stay alert in the car. And so I, even if I'm just a passenger, I can't help but have my head on a swivel just to make sure like if someone T-bones us, I can like dive out the window just right. Like I'm ready for anything. Probably not true, but I, I still stay alert. So I can't sleep. I don't really get rest in the car. Same with planes. Planes are too exciting. Like I like planes. I love looking out the window and seeing all the stuff down below. Uh, I like, you know, I gotta stay alert on the plane too because you never know if we might go into an emergency situation. I gotta know where the exits are. I gotta make sure that I've got everything just so. I need to count how many steps it's gonna take me to get to the life raft. I think the life rafts are fake, by the way. I've never seen one in real life. They always tell us they're there and they never show us. They never show us. I wanted to prove it one time, be like, pop it out, prove it. <laughs> but I can't sleep on planes and they're uncomfortable. They're very uncomfortable. But I mentioned we took a lot of road trips as a kid. And when I was younger, all of our road trips, our long car drives would end the exact same way. Pull into the driveway. My parents would get out, open the back door, pick me up out of the car because I'm fast asleep. They bring me inside, put me in my bed. I would always be able to fall asleep like that on road trips with my parents. And it's not necessarily because I wasn't alert. I was alert as a kid. I was looking around, seeing the sights. You know, especially as a younger kid, you're even more distracted. It's just like, oh, a squirrel. But the reason why I was able to fall asleep so easily is because I knew my parents were the ones driving the car. I knew they were driving the car, and so I didn't have anything to worry about. I didn't have to be alert. 
because even if I wanted to, nothing I could do would change the outcome. I just had to trust that, that they were driving the car and they want what's best for me. They're gonna take care of me. And that's why Jesus was able to sleep so peacefully on the boat, head on a pillow. He knows who's got this covered. He's along for the ride. He knows his father has a plan, wants what's best for him. It's what our God does. We have to trust that he will take care of us. He will give us that rest. When we remember that God is the one driving the car, we are able to enter into a soul-filling rest, regardless of whatever storm might be happening around us. That's what he does for us. If we go to him, we repent. If we go to him, we ask. Say, God, I need that rest. And we spend that time and be quiet. We get our quiet time in with him. We will find that rest. Would you stand with me this morning? Man, I thought I'd be shorter. I was like, just you watch, Pastor Greg. I'll show you how it's done. Short sermon, get him out of there. It's impossible. Um, let's pray this morning. Jesus, thank you so much. We thank you for the blood, Jesus. Your wonderful, amazing blood applied for us. We thank you, God, that you've made a way for us to be in relationship with you. And we ask this morning that you would soften our hearts and, and remind us, God, that, that you offer us a rest, a peace that we can't find on our own can't find anywhere else. We want that rest. We want that peace, God. We know that, that you know how important it is for us. You encourage it. You provide it. We love you for it, Jesus. In your mighty name, everybody said, amen, amen. Go jump in the car and remember who's driving. Have a great morning and thank you for coming.